To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. No, I probably had COVID like 74 times. I have no clue and I don't care. Everybody likes Blanche. Because Blanche was a pig who took it. Did you smell your poop? Did you learn anything? Did you read about the dog story? is my ex-girlfriend who I despise calling me? A lot to blame on the news. It's a lot to blame on Anthony Fauci, that Italian leprechaun. Almost like it never existed, but it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go yourself. JHairPositiveSarcasm.com here at Spare Parts Studio near New Hampshire's beautiful seacoast. Find me on Instagram and Facebook at Positive Sarcasm, Minds Positive Sarcasm, Gab AI Positive Sarcasm, and <clears throat> on Sessions, if you want to have a, uh, an audio chat with me, you can find me on Sessions at Positive Sarcasm. Is it Positive? Is it? No, it's not Sessions. What's the matter with me? It's um, Wisdom at Positive Sarcasm. You can go ahead and check me out over there. Um... I'm recording a little late because, well, uh, I had or major oral surgery uh, over the past week, and it's been painful, uh, extremely sore, and it just it, it just wasn't physically ready to get behind the microphone. Even putting on these headphones um, was a stretch in itself. Like, just putting it on, the pressure was just too, too much. Uh, but, I mean, I'll get to more of that in a moment. We'll talk about that, but... I was writing some some things down and just kind of reflecting over the past one year. And I know I've done that time to time, but I actually, or I've mentioned it from time to time, but in one year, or let's see, from May of 2021 to July of 2022, with all the obstacles I had in front of me, this is what I was able to just to write down. I was like, okay, really quickly, what have I done in the past year? Okay. In one year, I paid off my entire car loan. That's $5,000, right? Well, it wasn't even, well, the original car loan was like, whatever. It was whatever I paid for the Mustang. But the vast majority of it, I blew that all away in one shot. And then in the same uh, month, I paid off my entire college loan. Then after that, I won Chase in a partition lawsuit, which allowed for the, re- which resulted in the sale of a half a million dollar house, which allowed me to have all that money taken a half 500k off of my credit so i got him and got rid of that then after that i got to live an entire season right on new hampshire's seacoast right on the ocean every morning 60 seconds away right there the ocean the crashing waves the frigid free the frigid freaking winds whole winter amazing then after that, I had some major advancements in my pro- my own professional life. After, of course, a basically a paid-for vacation to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, I increased my wealth, also by dec- uh, by you know just I have all my stuff back. Um, I have more free-flowing funds, and I now have my own stock portfolio and a four hundred one k, both running and active, and building again. Not done. I established, once again, going from a winter rental, I now have established long-term housing by the seacoast. Then, after that, 
after establishing that long-term housing by the seacoast, I start, well, actually, before I even did any of that, I started another YouTube channel. So the original channel, and then I had this one, and then I started a music reaction channel. Never done any of these before in my life. And now that one's got 156 followers, thousands and thousands of views. Okay, and I don't get to post on there much, but I'm still doing it. I'm still getting a lot of thumbs up and a lot of comments. So great, now I got three channels. And then to top it all off, I finally, after getting a little bit of dental insurance, <laughs> I had significant oral surgery. Something I should have had like 10 years ago. A major dental extraction. All four wisdom teeth. I did all of this in the span of about 14 months. So basically one year. In one year, I was able to accomplish all that. Eliminate all my major debts. Increase my wealth. Advance professionally. And I'm back in the wedding, uh, the wedding videography game as well. I got one next weekend. Big Jewish wedding. At a vineyard. Shocker. did all that and I, I managed to stay I managed to have a, I, I managed to keep all my stuff I got more stuff now and I'm as healthy as I ever been and I mean it's it's really awesome but this is what I did under all of my circumstances under all the circumstances I managed to accomplish all that so there's really no excuses for you but I did top it off with a significant oral surgery. I did have a full wisdom teeth extraction. The top ones were no big deal. The bottom ones though, the bottom ones are bad. They were severely impacted. They required stitches. They were, um, they are the ones I'm still dealing with as far as, well, the void that's in there. I mean, if I wanna show like the bottom right, my bottom right is not too bad. The bottom left, it looks like the fucking Sarlacc from Star Wars. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, I got a picture of it for you here. That's basically what that that my mouth or the hole in my mouth looks like right now. Um, I literally had to like spend like 45 minutes with a freaking syringe of like warm water and just blasting the inside of it because I had like finally I had some like spaghetti and meat sauce the other night. But I didn't realize, like, holy shit, I'm like, what is all that stuff? I mean, I have a Dentec, I have a Dentec, uh, I should probably get that off the screen. I have a Dentec um, kit, which is like like a scraper and like a little rubber plungy thingy. And then it also has like a mirror. So I was able to stick the mirror in there. And with the light, the flashlight on my phone, I was able to peer into and see exactly what was in that hole. I gotta, I gotta stop looking at this thing, gross. Um, so I was able to basically with a, like 45 minutes of syringing it at full blast. I don't necessarily recommend you do this with salt water because I get it. Salt water works, but salt water is so painful if you're blasting it essentially into an open wound. Um, and I, I, ugh, like I'm still feeling it. There's a little bit of bleeding, but for the most part, I am finally recovering. It happened last Friday. Uh, just after my last podcast, um, I spent the entirety of the rest of the week just recovering. Now it was, it was, um, I went there, the actual session, first of all, drugs are amazing. Drugs are absolutely amazing. So the, the girl's like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm probably just going to be out in like 30 seconds. She's like, nah, you'll be out in zero seconds. And she, the doctor comes in. He's just like, he slaps me in the shoulder. He's like, all right, you ready to do this? And I'm like, all right. And he leans back. He goes, uh, 
He goes, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, this first set of medications going to relax you. And the second one's going to knock me, uh, the second one's going to knock you out. And I just kind of look over, I go, good night. And I just kind of lean back. And that's it. I lean back. And I, and then I'm waking up. There was no going to sleep. It was leaning back and waking up. That's it. There was, and we're, and we're back. It was like a, it was like a, it was like a cut clip. It was, there was nothing. It was just a jump cut. It was like, we're leaning back and we're standing up. Now, standing up. Now, here's the thing. Here's what I remember. I'll be honest with you. Here's what I remember and here's what I don't remember. I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of, of the idea of is if you're in motion and if you're making attempts, you will remember it. If you're trying to exercise your brain, you will remember it. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. That's inertia. The same thing with your brain. If you're trying to exercise your brain, you're going to remember these things. So I remember essentially waking up. So I woke up. I remember a point of waking up. Let's be honest with you. I don't want to get all cocky or anything, but I wake up. This is what I remember. I remember standing up and then the nurse going, um, sit down. <laughs> and I go, because I was, I, I'm under the impression like I could do whatever I want. You know, I, I'm going to, I'll be fine. Maybe I'll go pass out in my car, go for a, you know, like a walk or something. So I stand up. I remember standing up and she goes, uh, sit down. And I'm like, okay, well then I'm going to sit down. And then I don't remember anything. I don't remember leaving the doctor's office. So I don't remember leaving the doctor's. I remember standing up and then sitting down and then not leaving the doctor's office. And then I remember the car ride home where I was putting my earbuds in my, yeah, my, my, my headphones in to listen to the song refuse new noise. Cause I had this idea in my head that I was going to pump myself up so much after the surgery that I was going to be like Jason Statham from crank where he gets all pissed off and kicks his TV in half. The only problem is, is you're not allowed or you're restricted from doing any actual physical activity for the first 72 hours. 72 hours, you basically can't up your blood levels. You can't up your blood pressure. You can't, you can't, you don't, don't be upside down for the first two hours. You're, um, you're essentially, you've got like, you know, cotton in your mouth and you're just soaking up the gross. So the first 72 hours, I'm just sitting there mm, and I've never had any type of like, I think I had a surgery when I was 10. That was it. But I've never been, I've never been no reason for me to put me under none. I have no medical conditions, but this one I knew was crucial. And I trust dentists and oral surgeons. I'm a huge fan of them. Doctors can, or, you know, doctors and family physicians can go kick rocks. But as far as dentistry and oral, that's big with me. So, but I was on, I paid an extra 200 uh, for something called Expiril. I don't remember the name of the drug they used to put me under, but the drug that they used to essentially numb me up for the first three days is something called Expiril. And my mouth was completely, the bottom half of my jawline, all this was completely numb, completely numb. Uh, couldn't feel my, my freaking bottom lip. I'm eating like cottage cheese and I'm like, like I'm like, uh, supposedly, I don't know, resting the spoon on, on my on my top of my bottom lip. I'm like, Meh. and I'm putting the cottage cheese in my mouth. And I could taste the, uh, you know, the chives in the cottage cheese, but I believe I can only taste them from the top of my mouth. 
there was nothing going on. My tongue was just, you know, so eventually by the nighttime, my, some of my senses came back, but the pain had not, the pain hadn't, hadn't surfaced yet by Tuesday. Cause I wasn't on, I was just on Expril. I wasn't taking any narcotics. I wasn't taking, or, you know, any opioids or anything. I, I waived all that stuff. I was taking amoxicillin, which is basically like, you know, it's basically penicillin. It's mold. It's fucking it's antibiotics. So I was basically taking a week's worth of that. But you got to take that shit three times a day. So and you're not allowed to work out. So I've lost like a fucking ton. I've lost like like four pounds of like water weight. I'm flat as shit. Today is going to be my first attempt at actually maybe lifting something, even though I've still got two holes in my fucking head. Um. So by Tuesday, though. Tuesday, the pain was rough, and I had the, that like ice pack that you basically wrap around your head, like you know, you look like the fucking Handmaid's Tail, and you have to. The pre- even the pressure of that hurts, and you get so frustrated because, uh, you know, I sh- I run my mouth for a living, I can't, but I can't I can't headbang to you know stuff on my reaction channel, I can't do stuff on the podcast, I can't. I don't have the energy to do anything because the pain is just killing me. So I had to resort to taking some ibuprofen, but maybe like two, 200 milligrams at worst. I think I took 400 milligrams twice. Spent the entire week trying to slowly get to that. My mouth was super sore. There was blood throughout the week. Today I had I forced a little bit more blood because I was shooting this like syringe that I'm supposed to be using now to blow out all the cheeseburger particles that are in the fucking sarlacc hole. And that now is I think I think cleaned out. But you gotta use warm water first and then you can flush it out with a little bit of salt water. The warm water doesn't hurt. It's it doesn't it doesn't touch the senses because in the bottom teeth, in the bottom rack, there's like you've got nerve endings that are running underneath your jawline and the tooth is awfully close. The brood of the tooth is awfully close to those nerve endings. So if you're smacking it with high pressure syringe water or syringe salt water, ah, it sucks. But today was like, let me see if I can make an attempt to run my mouth for at least 30 minutes or 45. And now I'm like, yeah, right now, like Friday, Thursday was not happening. I couldn't run my mouth in. Friday, I couldn't do it. Saturday wasn't bad. Today I'm like, okay, let's give it let's give the let's give the jaw a workout and see how it goes. But I highly now the thing is you have to pay the extra two hundred that's out of pocket because a lot of insurance companies don't cover uh Expro, which paves the way for you not having to take any signif- any real painkillers. But it's not covered it's like they won't pay for the Expirel, which means you won't have to take any narcotics. But they will cover the Oxys. Just, you know, that's my one of my biggest arguments is like, you don't need those. Cover the Expirel. The Expirel is amazing. So I paid the extra 200 for that. And I think that was, I think that was really groundbreaking. Like that was like a huge, huge win. Really smart decision. Um, now if you're going to pay, if you're paying completely out of pocket, no insurance coverage whatsoever, um, you're probably going to pay somewhere between like 1800 to $3,000 for a full four tooth, like all extraction. So anywhere from like 450 to 500 a tooth. 
Um, in my case, the grand total I think for everything was like twenty four hundred, uh, with the uh, in, with the insurance and plus the the expiral, it turned out to be like six hundred and fifty dollars um, out of my actual pocket. So definitely a um, you know a chunk of change, but it could have been so much worse. And in this situation, it's like a one shot deal. The amoxicillin was like eighteen dollars. That was it. I threw him a twenty and I was out of there. You could pick up Advil for five bucks, or you can borrow it from some, you know, somebody's fucking, you know, uh, bathroom cabinet. So there was that. But um, do I feel better? Yeah, I, I, I definitely like after a week, like I, I feel better. This is a one shot deal. They're never gonna grow back. These wounds are eventually gonna heal, and as long as I, I continue to stay clean, keep everything clean, and the wounds heal from the bottom up. I won't get dry socket, which is a condition you should look up on YouTube, which is if the wound gets infected or the clots rupture, then um, you have to start from scratch. Uh, you have to start from scratch with that section, which is not good, um, which is why you don't want to rupture them if you were like working out or whatever. And this, I don't want to do that. So I decided to take the week off. So that being said, um, there, I mean, there is a little bit of, uh, there was a little bit of blood, uh, from the bottom, from the bottom right, or excuse me, the bottom left. I apologize. But besides that, uh, a little bit of soreness and it is finally like true. I feel like it's truly healing. And now chewing is another story. Like I decided to have like a, a burger on Friday and that was a task. Yeah, that was a task like chewing a little like lightly it's like you don't realize like how much force your teeth actually have it's like oh no just let my teeth do the work but like chewing from the front it makes eating so it's like this isn't as tasty as i wanted it to be i'm not going to have this it's like you're just chewing like chewing this shit from the front it's like fuck it it's not even worth it um now as far as my recommendations if you're going to have a wisdom teeth extraction what you're going to eat um, I'm not sure. Like, if you are to, it, you know me, I don't like to eat a lot of carbs during the weekdays. I actually do suggest that um, after the first few days, try having some carbohydrates because I think that glucose actually helps your wounds heal. Because if you're just like not eating any carbohydrates, I'm not sure that you have enough uh, stuff in your actual bloodstream to like actually force the swelling and a force the clotting of your wounds i think that's possible I, I don't i'm not certain but maybe there's a method to that but for the most part things that you should eat oh i highly recommend uh going ham on soup do not try to crunch on anything i wouldn't even try uh mashed potatoes i think things like um like pasta are a bitch i think um Yogurt is probably your best bet. Protein shakes aren't too bad. Coconut milk is great. Um, most part, for the most part, it should basically just be like a yogurt and soup, and that's pretty much it. I mean, even chewing like shaved pork or any or even any ground beef. Nope. Just accept the fact that you're basically going to be scooping cottage cheese for the week. Um, 
until shit really does like you're able to like talk again without having a fucking headache but now i'm basically in week one like i i have to make sure that this heat heals properly for the next week because i'm going to be running around like a madman uh on a vineyard uh all day uh, i was hired for the i was hired and volunteer for the entire day so that is going to be a task to make sure that um i don't have any discomfort while i'm out there uh, running through the grapes like uh, some types of Keanu Reeves movie. Uh, so, what was that? A Walk in the Clouds? Pretty sure that was. Yeah, I know the name of it. So what? Um, so that there's that. That is, um, it's a good feeling to actually be able to do it. Um, I was a little concerned about, you know, going under. But you don't really feel the needle go in. <laughs> um, after it goes in, you're just like, all right, well, this is going to happen. Um, and then you're just, you're, you're done. You just, you you relax you just relax and you're out that's it you're just you're, you're done it's over 40 minutes that's it 40 minutes rips rip i don't even i don't even know how they actually do it i know they make some cuts and then they, they suture up the bottom um at this point the stitches i think have pretty much uh, uh dissolved at this point and now it's truly up to me to make sure that uh first of all drinking hot liquid like hot coffee i had to sacrifice that for the entire week fucking great i know one of the first things i did one of the first the first thing i drank when i got out of surgery was jocko willing's uh energy drink called go juice that was the first thing i drank was his fucking energy drink go juice and it was actually pretty good um i could i could taste it for sure and then i was trying to put b12 dissolvable b12s in my mouth i'm like they're just sitting there floating on my tongue uh but that was yeah that was one of the things i attempted on so i mean these will heal i will feel better and ultimately it will be i will be so much healthier now that these are gone now that these things are gone and i won't have that uncleanable tooth that's the biggest problem it's an uncleanable tooth you can't do anything with it so and it gives me a chance. I, it's actually a, yeah, I think, that, I think that's pretty much it. It's just, if you have, if you've never been to the dentist, I highly recommend going. If you have wisdom teeth that are just unbearable and you can't clean them, I highly recommend getting rid of them. I do. I really, really do. This is like one of those procedures. It's, it's adamant. Cause what are they going to take? It's like six bucks. It's five. If you have, if you're running a weekly paycheck, it's like five to $10 out of your weekly paycheck, maybe at the most. And then for a year, if you if you have health and dental insurance for one year, for one year, just for one year, um, it'll absolutely pay for itself. And then at least in that one year. And then you can have dental visits after that. That'll be basically completely covered. And then you can cancel it after that. It's really up to you. I just I highly recommend getting it done. And I highly recommend truly having dental insurance for this specific reason. If you don't have your wisdom teeth out. Okay. Uh, that being said, uh, it's uh, it's awesome that I was able to. It's actually good that I missed a couple days um, on the podcast because, uh, well, that I did it. Del I'm delaying the, the 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 recording of it because I had to sell my Twitter stock because fucking Elon Musk, man. Now, did I have a feeling this was possible? Yeah, absolutely. Did I lose a lot of money? No, I'll, only twenty percent. But really wasn't a huge investment. Just wanted to, I wanted to make a quick 5% and be out. But because, and this is actual Elon Musk's 
Now, the main headline is he, he his lawyers told the SEC, the, the Security and the Exchange Commission, that he was terminating his offer to buy Twitter. The original offer was $44 billion, which is around $54 a share. And right now, Twitter's share stock, if I'm looking at it correctly, I believe it was at $35 a share last time I checked it. Uh, let me go ahead and just look really quickly. Twitter's uh, in after hours. It was around, let's see. Let's do after hours because it's probably going to drop even more. That's bid. That's one day. Where the hell is it? That's the last month. I want to be able to go to five-day mark. I don't care about that. Get out of here. Get out of here. I th oh, in after hours, it was around... Um, it was $35 a share. All the way down from like $49 a share down to 35 Will it drop even more? Yes, I think it'll drop like another $5. But here's the thing. The profit-to-earning the, uh, profit ratio for... Twitter is insane. It's like 120. So Twitter is like a, maybe makes like a, a hundred something million dollars, a couple hundred million dollars a year in profit. That's pretty much it. That's not a $40 billion company. Not even close. I think they're full of shit. This is very, it, it seems like it's very dot-com bubbly. I think a lot of these social media companies are really inflating their numbers and their projected losses going forward are going to be steep. So, I think you're going to see a lot of um, reassessment in the next three to six months. Reassessment of actual stock value. And it's going to be a reckoning. So, that being said, is Elon able to actually terminate the deal? Well, his lawyers are saying that they are terminating it. And there is a letter stating why from the Skadden, Arps, Slate, and Meager, well, this LLP. Uh, I do actually have the actual legal letter, and I'll try to skim through it for you so we can kind of figure out what the freak is going on. So, um, oh, let me put down one more thing. Slick deals. Oh, there it is right there. So I did that one. There we go. Come on, I did write it down. Good for me. <laughs> All right. So July 2nd to Twitter, Inc., 1355 Market Street, Suite 900, San Francisco, California. Attention, Vijay Gad, Chief Legal Officer. Dear Mrs. Gad, we refer to the agreement and plan of merger by and among X Holdings, Twitter, and dated da, 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 letter to our as further described. Mr. Musk is terminating the merger agreement because Twitter is in natural breach of multiple provisions of that agreement, appears to have made false and misleading representations upon which Mr. Musk relied when entering into the merger agreement and is likely to suffer a common material adverse effect uh, at that term is defined in the merger agreement. While Section 6.4 of the merger agreement requires Twitter to provide Mr. Musk and his advisors all data and information that Mr. Musk requests, quote, for any reasonable business purpose related to the consumption of the transaction, Twitter has not complied with its contractual obligations. For nearly two months, Mr. Musk has sought the data and information necessary to make, quote, make an independent assessment of the prevalence of fake or spam accounts on Twitter's platform. Our letter to you dated May... Is this... Yep, that's okay, good. Uh, dated to you, May 25th, 2022. This information is fundamental to Twitter's business and financial 
performance and is necessary to consummate the transactions contemplated by the merger agreement because it is needed to ensure Twitter's satisfaction of the conditions is closing. To closing. To facilitate Mr. Musk's financing and financial planning for the transaction and to engage in transition planning for the business, Twitter has failed or refused to provide the information. Sometimes Twitter has ignored Mr. Musk's requests. Sometimes it has rejected them for reasons that appear to be unjustified. And sometimes it has claimed to comply while giving Mr. Musk's incomplete or unusable information. Okay, let's continue forth. Mr. Musk's... Mr. Musk and his financial advisors at Morgan Stanley have been requesting critical information from Twitter as far back as May 9th and repeatedly since then on the relationship between Twitter's disclosed MDAO figures and the prevalence or prevalence of false or spam accounts on the platform. If there were any ever any doubt of the nature of these information requests, the May 25th letter made clear that Mr. Musk's goal was to understand how many of Twitter's claimed MDAOs were in fact fake, fa uh, fact fake or spam accounts. The letter noted to the diligence requests and high priority requests for enterprise, blah, 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 to make an independent assessment of the prevalence of, the, of fake or bot accounts on Twitter's platform. The letter then provided Twitter with a detailed list of requests in this effort. There's been multiple follow-up requests. Because Twitter, by its own admissions, provided, own, uh, provided only incomplete data that was not sufficient to perform such an independent assessment, the June 29th letter endeavored to be even more specific on how to reduce the burden of the original request by Dan Fence da, 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 for Twitter to immediately make available. Okay. Sought the information. Sent you a letter. Sought the information. Sent you a letter. Okay. Notwithstanding these repeated requests over the past two months, Twitter has still failed to provide much of the data and the inform informative response to Mr. Musk's repeated requests, including, but not limited to, information related to Twitter's process for auditing the inclusion of spam and fake accounts, uh, information related to Twitter's process for identifying suspending spam and fake accounts, daily measures for MDown for the past eight quarters, board materials related to Twitter's MDown calculations, uh, materials related to Twitter's financial conditions. <laughs> In short, Twitter has not provided information that Mr. Musk has requested for nearly two months, notwithstanding his repeated detailed clarifications intended to simplify Twitter's identification, collection, and disclosure of the most relevant information sought in Mr. Musk's original request. While Twitter has provided some information, that information has come with strings attached, use limitations, or other artificial formatting features, which has rendered some of the information minimally useful to Mr. Musk and his advisors. Okay. They cite information. Despite public speculation at this point, Mr. Musk did not waive his right to review Twitter's data and information simply because he chose not to seek this data and information before entering into a merger agreement. In fact, he negotiated access and informative. This is fucking aggressive. As Twitter has been on notice of the of its breach since at least June 6th, any cure period afforded to Twitter under the merger agreement has now lapsed. Accordingly, Mr. Musk hereby exercises X Holdings' right to terminate the merger agreement and abandon the transaction contemplated thereby in this letter constitutes the formal notice of X Holdings' termination of the merger pursuant to Section 8. Twitter, da 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 da. Finally, Twitter did not comply with its obligation under Section 6. Accordingly, for all these reasons, Mr. Musk hereby exercises X Holdings' right to terminate the merger agreement and abandon the transaction contemplated thereby, and this letter constitutes formal notice of X Holdings, Inc.'s termination of the merger agreement pursuant to Section 8.1. Sincerely, Mike Ringler uh, of the LLP.
So there you have it. Essentially, it's a little detail-oriented, but essentially, he goes, yo, I want all the information on how many fake accounts you have and what you're doing with it. I want all your financials. And apparently, according to him, uh, according to his legal team, Twitter did not provide all that information. Did not, did not provide any of that uh, information, or at least not enough of it. So apparently, under the terms of the agreement, they didn't hold up their end of the bargain. And apparently... I mean, I know there's a lot of legal experts saying you can't do that. What I think is going to happen, entirely possible, is now that the deal is on hold and now going to legal proceedings, because these people are like, wait a minute, you promised us, you know, fucking $44 billion, and now you're not going to pay us? And he's like, uh, 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 no, I uh, have to pay for my nine children. Then he could pay a $1 billion fine, which will still allow the price to drop. See, because there's things, there are other shareholders. There's just the common shareholders, the retail shareholders, the institutional shareholders who are going to lose their money. They're going to lose their share value because Twitter doesn't pay any dividends. It's just a stock price. So they're going to lose a ton of money on a ton of value on their stockholders, their shareholdings. They're going to be awfully pissed off at Twitter and they're going to come for Twitter's throat. Twitter is going to enter now a probably a legal battle, if possible, enter a legal battle with Elon Musk, which won't go well because that will drain company holdings. So what's possible is given the fact that Elon now basically has uh, exposed Twitter for having a lot of fake accounts, which more likely it's not 5%. It's They claim it's like under 5%. It's probably way more than that. Even if it's 10%, that's a lot. He now basically can be like, all right, well, you don't you're not worth 44 billion dollars are you worth 30 billion are you worth 20 billion are you worth 10 billion so that being said are there is there going to be negotiations to be like okay i'm not going to buy you for this much but i will consider a different deal if you guys maybe um if you guys maybe consider like i don't know 15 20 billion and, he's, and then he does the merger after that. It's a good question, though. So, like, if he gets them at a discounted price because now he's exposed them for what they are, then he still buys Twitter. He still takes it private. He does what he has to do. He makes them profitable, and then he releases it back to the public, and then, boom, there you go. Um but here's the example. Say he doesn't buy them for $44 billion and therefore $54 a share. Say he buys them for $20 billion for, I don't know, $30 a share, $35 a share. Well, anybody who owns Twitter for $40 a share, $45, $52 a share, well, their stocks are going to get bought back from them at this price, which is like $30 a share. And, all, and the rest of those stocks, the rest of that money that they invested is going to just evaporate. So the question is, what, what is my, I mean, what would I do? Well, I did what I want to do. I want no fucking part of it. I took my lickings and I got out of there and I just put my money into, into security holdings that basically pay out monthly. That's what I did. I took that money and I said, uh, it's going to go over here and it's going to sit here and it's going to pay me. And it's going to pay me a little bit, little, little crumbs of cookies every single month, month that I will reinvest back into it. So, um, that's pretty much it. Now, is there more information on it? I mean, I was going to read the Wall Street Journal, but it cost money to read the Wall Street Journal. Um, and then I wrote to you the in 
let me see. I wrote I wrote to the actual the actual I wrote you the actual termination letter that was sent to Vijaya Ghat, who who was actually on the Rogan podcast. It was Rogan, Vijaya Ghat. She was the C. She's the CFO, and then it was Jack Dorsey, who's no longer a part of Twitter in any capacity. And then it was Tim Pool, who roasted, uh, who basically took Vijaya and Jack Dorsey to task. Um. So that being said, I mean, what is going to happen? It's going to go. It's going to. Twitter's either going to fail. Like this deal's not done. Basically, this deal's not completely dead, but it's definitely uh, it's just floating out in space right now. If they decide to go to court, it will take years to resolve this. Now, now the one thing is though is now he's not taking money from Tesla or any shares from Tesla or whatever to fund this deal, which means the value of Tesla will go back up, if it, even if it's temporarily. But te- Tesla will be better off because of this. Especially right now with the way the market is looking like it's going to drop another like 10-15%. Uh, on average, some stocks could drop as, as much as half. Remember, a whole market, remember a whole stock market dropping by 15-20% to 20% means that a lot of stocks end up dropping like 50 Or far more than that. Like, for example, like MFA was a stock that was around $7 a share before COVID hit. And then when the lockdowns happened, it went from $7 a share to as low as 32 cents a share. So keep that in mind. Um, so it might have been a good idea for him, just even given the time of how everything is going business-wise, it may be better for him to just focus on all his current uh, uh, all his current kids because apparently he's got two more um, with that pretty uh, executive there. So, or she was a, I think she was an engineer, excuse me. I want to give her credit where credit's due. So... Yeah, his money's better suited elsewhere. Will he buy Twitter? I still have a feeling he will buy Twitter, but it's going to be at a much reduced price. Um, that being said, I wanted to actually, so now that we did that, let me go ahead and scroll out of that. By the way, if you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amounts appreciated. Um, let me close out of that second monitor. So uh, last week, uh, on the podcast, I went on a Slick Deals attempted spending spree. I tried to buy that that uh, buffet um, for like twenty nine dollars, but I didn't want to pay for the seventy five dollars shipping, even though it was a twelve hundred dollar uh, buffet. So I didn't buy that. I ended up settling by purchasing some Keds, so an American company. Um, they were they were cheap. They were like twenty five bucks. I'm like, this is perfect. You know, this will expand my shoe collection. This won't break my won't break my budget. I'm like, I'm always looking for an extra pair of like casual shoes that I can kind of throw in the mix and you know go from there. That I can rock with some chinos or something like that. Um, now we d- we do have a bit of a guideline here at, uh, at uh, in uh, positive sarcasm land that we don't really buy uh, a lot of things from China, uh, and we actually try not to buy anything from China if possible. T-shirts. Uh, you know, electronics. You know, electronics. You can buy them. You can buy them from South Korea. You can buy them from other countries. For the most part, though, um, when it comes to making purchases, I if I'm able to check the label, uh, I will check it. And if it doesn't say Bangladesh or India or, or, or Vietnam, uh, it goes back on the rack. It goes back on the shelf. I get the Keds in the mail. The, the American company Keds. I take the shoes out of them. First of all, the fucking treads, like the tread sole lines on these things, 
were super thick. I was like, this is obnoxious. These are like duck shoes. I'm like, I could swim in these goddamn things. I could walk in water on these goddamn things. Grab the shoe, pull the lip up, look at the label. Made in China. Okay. Now I have to think to myself, are these worth keeping for $25 or send them back? Requested a return, paid the $5 fee, sent them back. They weren't pretty enough to wear. Pretty. <laughs> I didn't like them enough to keep them. They were made in China. It was only a $5, a $5 loss. Put it back in the rack, send it back. That's a loss, man. You got to take it for what it is. It was one of those things like you have to, you have to, you know, back up what you say. And even though it was a really good deal for a shoe, it wasn't a shoe that I was in love with. It was a shoe that I liked. Um, and I was in a, 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 an attempted spending frenzy that didn't turn out very well. And it just ended up being a pair of shoes that, well, they were, like I said, they were made in China. I wasn't going to wear them. Sorry. Um, it sucks. It sucks. Um, but you know, you have, it's good to have principles. It's good to have, uh, as much as that it sucks. It's, it's the discipline of being like, I say, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do it. And sometimes it's going to suck to want to do it. But you know, it's like, when you think about it, you know, some of the shirts I've passed up or the jackets I've passed up or some of the clothes or shoes I've passed up, or maybe some of the electronics I've passed up. It's like, you know, really no big deal. Like when you think about it, it's like, I don't even remember that shirt. It didn't really matter much to me. It wasn't cheap enough to be like, eh, I can let it slide this time. Nope. No. Totally worth it. It's totally worth it. So, yeah, that was, I just want to give you an update on that, that I did return those shoes. And uh, you know what? If you have the opportunity, I strongly urge you to do the same. Check the label before you make that purchase. Um... Do we have anything else? Oh, yeah. I do want to um, give a shout-out to uh, another YouTube channel that I've really I've really gotten interested in um, over the past couple months. I'm sure you've heard of, uh, or maybe you haven't, the idea of the back rooms. So there is a user on YouTube called Kane Pixels. K-A-N-E. Uh, Kane Pixels. And he created, uh, I guess like six months ago, something called back rooms. The Backrooms is a scenario where this kid who's shooting like a B-rated horror movie, you know, with like a VHS camera, a VHS camcorder, uh, finds his way into like, an, it looks like an abandoned uh, office complex that is comprised of basically like yellow walls and everything looks the same. And he starts venturing down these hallways and it's... It's not, it's like, a, it's in it, the quality of the video is in early 90s VHS, which kind of sets the vibe for you, you not being able to see as clearly as you'd want to. Now, little by little, he, there's, you start to get, you obviously get the impression that there's something, there's something in these back rooms, in these back offices, these, this abandoned office complex. And he stumbles upon something. And then he turns around and then something ends up chasing him. Now, that's essentially where the, 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 the gist of this, you know, I think it's like a five to seven minute video. I don't think it's that long, really. But that's about it. And he gets, and it, it's pretty cool. Like it turns into something a, a little bit bigger. And then 
the whole after the first the found footage of the backrooms it then turns into something where scientists and engineers and researchers show up and the military kind of gets involved and the whole idea of the backrooms is they're turning it into like this this whole like it's apparently bigger like think of like if you if you uh, ever stored something in like a storage place like think of it as something that's like infinitely bigger than that like you could travel through it it's apparently like a uh, a space it's like a, a a glitch in space and time and there's an energy there but the monsters or the uh, 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 entities or the anomalies that exist in the back rooms are still there and people are disappearing or people are dying and they're trying to map out the back rooms and they're trying to work out how they can turn this and set, turn this around and sell it to the public like you can have uh you can have a, an apartment here you can uh, uh have a shipping line through here you can run businesses in here just as soon as we wipe out that monster that ripped that kid's head off so it's it's a very interesting concept um all shot in vhf or vhf excuse me vhs or you know old old tape cassette quality um and there is a there's an article here from pc gamer i'll close up shop with this article but it's very interesting like it's about uh i'd say about eight to ten videos about the backrooms now there's a bunch of other uh users on on youtube that are kind of copying um came pixels idea and 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 kind of globbing on I, for the most part i i just want to stick to kane pixels like i want to stick to his plot stick to his plot hit what he's putting out there i have subscribed to his channel um and because i want to see where this goes and what conclusion he leads with it um so the article from let me see if i can get out of here uh let me see if the article sheds anything light on it. no clipping is no joke this is from pc gamer by kate katie wickens um the strange world of the backrooms explained Here's what happens when the internet goes out all out on a creepy world building venture. Imagine an endless hallway, fluorescent lighting flickers dimly against stained yellowing walls. The doorways lead to empty rooms or circle back on themselves. You are alone, forgotten in a purgatorial nightmare, and something's watching you. Welcome to the back rooms. If your childhood was, was spent exploring the strange, dark, and mysterious corners of the internet, such as S-Fogs or creepypasta.com, which I don't know anything about, then the backrooms phenomenon is likely to be right up your alley. It's something I came across when browsing the Liminal Space subreddit, which seems, which sees users posting images of eerily nostalgic abandoned spaces. Scrolling through took me right back to my teen years of trawling through the ghost stories and urban ledges of the web. Um, okay, so blah, blah, blah. Check it out. The origin of the backrooms. The image, uh, May 12th, 2019. The image above was posted, discovered on 4chan's X board. Supposedly a photo taken in an abandoned section of an anonymous poster's workspace. Workplace. From there, the backrooms began to gain traction and started to branch off as a subgenre of the airy and nostalgic liminal spaces that have been paving the way as an internet aesthetic since 2010. Soon enough, a central idea surfaced around some already established gaming terminology in that if you were to accidentally no clip out of reality, you'd end up in the backrooms. It began with some creepy pastas, uh, which apparently is the website, and the trend snowballed into a huge crowdsourced world-building venture with an exhausting wiki to boot. More recently, prominent YouTuber Kane Pixel, shout out to Kane Pixel, started posting backrooms found footage vids, which brought about a kind of backrooms revival. 
The lore now consists chilling videos and theories about who created and controls the backrooms, and its countless clusters of levels, sublevels, and anonymous levels. Each level is unique, and everyone is designed to evoke the fear, nostalgia, and the uncertainty of the backrooms is famed for. Um, it also includes description of the groups that inhabit the different zones. While backroom fans will associate themselves with uh, the MEG, the Major Explorer Group, which seeks to help wanderers and enact a government in the backrooms to cease anarchy and chaos. Backrooms content has been popping up all over the web. My favorite adaptations being the TikTok that have, have people zooming into a random spot on Google Earth to reveal an entrance into the backrooms. There have been a set. There have been several backrooms games designed around the phenomenon. Two, including one you play in VR, uh, horror in VR is not okay. Da, da. The backrooms, along with the overarching livable space, comes from the umbrella of creepy internet aesthetics, Sister Dream Court. So, it goes all it does. So, depicting derelict indoor liminal spaces, intensely lonely photos that are sometimes edited to contain strange entities. You might call it a modern take on the Greek myth, myth of the labyrinth, a maze like representation of a man's inner turmoil, completed with the roaming incarnations of our most innermost incarnations of our, of our innermost fears. Um, let's see. Uh, it's the omission of human interaction is what many uh, attribute their discomfort to when browsing liminal spaces since without human interaction to give these spaces context they're simply shells architectural cadavers disconnected from all that we are a smattering of boogeyman doesn't go amiss either for me at least the backrooms is a frightening look at the collective hive mind one that littered one that's one that's littered with its kind of macabre hope it seems to say to me let's freak each other out and at the same time revel in the fact that we are not in reality hopelessly lost so i mean the back rooms is an interesting it, it is it is interesting like it's very it's it's on the fringes of reality apparently you lose your mind when you're in there there are anomalies out there there are anomalies in the back rooms or monsters or robots or ghosts or entities or something that are that do uh that do live or do they are they occupy it and you there have been deaths in the back rooms there have been human deaths in the back room there are people that have gotten lost in the back rooms um and but it it for the most part, it's it's just watching the video is very uh, it's it's quiet. There's not a lot of scares, but it does come to a head very quickly. It's kind of branches off the whole Blair Witch thing where it's like a found footage type of situation. Um, but it does it is a, it is a slow build, and you get invested because it's now it's not just one video, it's not just two videos, it's an entire series. And I find it very, very interesting, and I look to continue to see where if it if it's going to come to a conclusion, what eventually happens. So, Kane Pixel on YouTube, highly recommend you go and check it out. Very interesting creator, and a very, very good creator. Apparently, there's a lot of other stuff that he's got that uh, that looks interesting as well. But you know, like I said, I'm always limited for time. So, as far as what I choose to actually, you know, stare at. Um, this was definitely a, a win for me. So if you're into that sort of thing, I definitely check. I definitely recommend checking it out. I'm gonna skip uh, in, um, Instagram and Q and A for this week. I wanted to just um, take a minute and, and talk about. Well, I'm just gonna kind of wrap it up with. 
I finally, I don't get a chance to actually sit down and watch a ton of movies or specials or whatever. I did finally sit down and watch 2021's uh, Dave Chappelle's The Closer special. Um, overall, really good special. Made me laugh. Um, his final piece about his friend, I believe it was Daphne. Um, very shocking how he relay, re, how he relays the consequences to the audience. They don't see it coming. Like, it really is shocking. The crowd stops. The crowd is a gasp. Um, and how he steers out of that and into how he closes is something really uh, maybe only Dave Chappelle can do. Absolutely brilliant as far as how he maneuvers in and out of that and ties everything together. Excellent special. Excellent special. Uh, but that, uh, man, I highly recommend if you don't have check Netflix or just try to check it out. It's really an interesting um, concept as far as comedy and how important comedy is when you look at it from especially this angle. Um, and it does go into the process of bullying. Like bullying is interesting. Like bullying is important to one's growth because you're always going to encounter bullies. But when you encounter bullies in like school, it's generally when you encounter bullies in school, you encounter one or two or a group. But when you encounter bullies on the internet, it's the it feels like the entire world is coming down on you. The entire world is thrashing on you. And all as a human being, you're built to see only the net, mostly the negative because you're a human being. You're looking for danger. You're designed to live. So you're always looking for uh, so. But when you are if you get bullied in school, you could handle a bully. You could survive a group of bullies. But man, when it's like when it feels like all of Twitter, which is not a real place or all of Facebook or all of Instagram is coming down on you. You can only take so much. And as a kid, as a developing kid with a developing brain, uh, who's very self-conscious, at, especially that age, or as a person even, just living their life, the internet is, it's like a billion, it feels like a billion bullies. And it's just, your brain can't take it. Your brain's not designed to handle that. But if you're able to realize that the internet's not a real place, it's just made up of pixels and, and dots and binary numbers. It doesn't matter. Like a bully in high school, that's real. A bully at work, that's real. But a bully on Twitter, that's not real. Not even close. Because you can always delete your account. Deleting your life is a whole other story. And Dave Chappelle navigates that brilliantly. Quite frankly, is maybe the goat should. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm, facebook.com slash POS sarcasm, Gab AI positive sarcasm, minds uh, positive sarcasm, wisdom if you want to have a conversation with me. Positive sarcasm, follow me on there. Positive sarcasm on YouTube, positive sarcasm podcast, and positive sarcasm reaction channel. Now at 156 subscribers, still working on my teeth. I'm still doing that that blowy thing where it's like every time I talk, it's like because I, I got this new real estate space in my mouth. Um, the way the real estate prices are, I could probably fucking sell it and make a shit ton of money. Um, be like little, uh, uh, you know, monopoly houses back there if, um, 
if I'm not careful. Um, so yeah, you can go me. You can hit me up there. You can also email me directly, positive sarcasm at outlook.com, or you can email me. You can contact me directly through my website. If you're looking for posing music because you're a fitness competitor, go to my website, check out the customs there, and then email me or a specific request. Shout out to the Santa Maria team. Thank you guys. Good luck in your upcoming shows. And uh, I got a wedding next week to plan for. Not mine. Maybe someday I'll get there. In the meantime, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. And I'll talk to you all in the next uh, podcast, which I should actually be able to record because I'm feeling a hell of a lot better. Anyways, we're done. I did it. Hooray! I'm the greatest. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. Hey!